are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. October 16th, 2020, Locked On Dolphins crafting a game plan to beat the New York Jets in week six of the 2020 season. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer of 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Did a lot of watching of football this past week, continuing to chart the Miami Dolphins and their offensive game plan and so on and so forth. And uh, today is all about crafting a game plan to beat the New York Jets. We, of course, need to talk about Le'Veon Bell last night deciding to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs instead of the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins were the uh, presumed, according to all reports, number two in the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes. Bell instead opting to go... Uh, for a potential short-term fix, go win himself a championship. Dude's made a lot of money in the NFL. He's going to make more money because he's going to sign a contract at the beginning of the year. Dolphins gave it a good run. And that is the talking point I would like to start with first and foremost. It is what the pursuit of Lev Bell, which we talked about yesterday, says about the Dolphins. But now specifically, now that the dust has settled and we did not sign Le'Veon Bell, how can the Dolphins' offense improve throughout the rest of the season. This team clearly thinks they can contend. You don't start throwing around, quote, significant money at Le'Veon Bell in free agency entering week six of the season if you don't think that is a piece that can help you get to the postseason. Dolphins' confidence clearly in the building. That's encouraging. But where does this team go from here to improve their ground game? That's the difficult question. Because... Le'Veon Bell aside, probably not going to be a lot of other backs available on the market. At least not the blend of pass-catching skills and size and vision that Le'Veon Bell has. Okay, fair enough. And I expressed my concerns earlier this week that I don't think it's a crippling loss for Miami to not get Le'Veon Bell, but it's clear they want to get better in the ground game. How do you do that? I look at two, two big pieces And this is why I'm going to continue to champion for the Dolphins to focus on continuing to improve the tight end position when it's all said and done. The answer to me is the tight end two position. As the Dolphins, if they want to get better, whoever their de facto inline blocker is, and it's been a lot of Duran Smythe when he's healthy, is the guy who kind of does that little return motion where he's outside the tackle, he's one by one off the tackle, and he goes in that half motion across the set, and then he turns around and comes back, and then... He'll either step out and block on the end or step up and block a linebacker or he'll insert across and come up and tuck inside in an inside gap or they'll go split zone read where he comes across and behind the entire offensive line and kicks out the last man in the line of scrimmage. A lot of different ways that they use him, but like that, that featured blocking role, right? So you look at the snap count for all three tight ends for the Dolphins thus far this season. Gusecki has played at least 30 snaps in every game. Uh, his season low in percentage was this past week against San Francisco. He was targeted six times 
Five catches, 91 yards. But he only played on 45% of the snaps. 45-41-30-45-30 are Gusecki's snaps. I remember when everybody freaked out in the depth chart that Gusecki was in the tight end one, and oh my God, what are we doing? Well, this is why. Because week one against the New England Patriots, Gusecki played 45 snaps. The Dolphins saw Durham Smythe play 13 and Adam Shaheen play 12. Durham Smythe over the next three games before missing week five against San Francisco against Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Seattle played 35, 42, and 29 snaps. He's getting equal snaps, and in some cases, greater snaps than Mike Gusecki. Smythe outsnapped Mike Gusecki in, in the second game, and Adam Shaheen in week five against San Francisco with Smythe not in the picture took 38 snaps. He outsnapped Mike Gusecki by eight. That, that position holds a lot of value to the Dolphins in the run game. So it extends well beyond just having backs that are multifaceted and can do a number of different things. The Dolphins have a effectively a big slot receiver in Mike Kosecki. The only time you've seen him with his hand in the dirt is when the Dolphins go 13 or 22 personnel in short yardage, which is when there's three tight ends on the field. I think I saw it once against Seattle. Where Shaheen's inside, Smythe is off the line of scrimmage, hand in the dirt outside of him, Gusecki's outside of Smythe, Hand in the dirt, outside am. Who's going to be that player? In the long term, I don't think it's Durham Smythe. Now, I like Durham. He's a really solid football player. He's a, a well-rounded piece. But he's not a great receiver, and he's not a great blocker. He's a, he's a quality depth piece to your tight end room. Right now, he's playing a very prominent role for the Dolphins in this offense. And you watch him when he has his hand in the dirt and, he, and he's to the front side of the play and he goes to double team with tackles or he goes to turn somebody outside or step outside on an outside linebacker who's walked up on the line of scrimmage. Like, he's not sustaining those blocks. He's getting shucked off those blocks. He's falling off those blocks. And what you end up seeing as a result is the point of attack gets bottled up because the end man on the line of scrimmage is stepping down and creating a huddled mess. So whether that means Miami... Pat Frowermuth from Penn State in the draft. They go out and get somebody. I think the short-term 2020 fix is I'd like to see Shaheen get some of these reps. Obviously, week one against or week five against San Francisco, Durham Smythe was out. It opened the door for Shaheen to audition in that role. I would like to continue to see more of Shaheen surpassing Smythe as tight end two in the depth chart. See if that doesn't help the running game a little bit by winning the point of attack and winning the front side of the play a little bit more frequently. If that's the case, hey, you know, some of these two-yard runs can all of a sudden become four- or five-yard runs. And that's really all you need. Instead of hitting it three-and-a-half a clip, you start hitting it 4.4. It's a big difference in the grand scheme of things. And the Dolphins clearly want to run the football. They want to have that balance. That for me, and even when they go 22 personnel and Chandler Cox is in the game, I love that they go pistol with Cox offset to one side or the other to kind of serve as a lead back. He just needs a little bit more seasoning. He's so amped up when he gets in the game. I feel like he kind of 
overruns and oversets some of these blocks and he doesn't catch guys flush. He just kind of ends up spitting off the block because he's coming in so hot. So little developments there, potentially getting Jesse Davis out of the starting lineup when Austin Jackson is healthy. I think Austin Jackson replacing Jesse Davis and going with the three rooks up front, potentially trying to work Adam Shaheen as the tight end too with more frequency week over week. And then just a little more patience from Chandler Cox. That is, based on the assets the Dolphins have at their disposal, in the here and now, in my opinion, the best way for them to get better results out of the run game that they were very clearly looking for as they were pursuing Le'Veon Bell. We'll see how that materializes. Uh, Smythe's been a, a limited participant in practice, so it seems as though he will be at least somewhat available for the Dolphins in Week 6 against the Jets. One of the Jets best qualities as a team has been run defense uh, so it'll be a good test but what better way to kind of bang heads than against a team in New York that's going to be undermanned and you know you really would hope the Dolphins avoid the trap of playing down to lower competition that is a trap that they have avoided against both San Francisco and Jacksonville we at the Locked On Network have long raved about the Built product the Built Bar was my first dive into the Built brand and now they have Built Go, which is a workout gel that will just blow your mind. It is terrific. It's delicious, too. Here's the thing. Built Go is built to help you break through your mental and physical walls each and every day. It's easy to take in a one-and-a-half-ounce package. You can stick it in your back pocket, your golf bag, your glove compartment, whatever. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash, and it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and even better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. It combines collagen protein with this energy gel, and collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff like beta alanine, B3, and honey, and it's built to keep you going all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Speaking of let's go, let's go build a game plan to beat the Jets, yeah? So here's what we know. Uh, Mackay Becton to this point in the week has not practiced. Sam Darnold has been confirmed out. The Jets have cut Le'Veon Bell. If you're looking to craft a game plan that's going to be successful against New York, I think what you need to do is avoid the turnovers. This has been a defense that has created a fair amount of turnovers. So offensively for the Dolphins, you're looking to avoid negative plays. As I said, there's not been a ton of success running the football against the Jets. The 49ers hung 182 on them, but the Bills put 98, the Colts put 119, the Broncos put 117, and the Cardinals put 127. So you, I mean, with the Dolphins not having a great rushing attack, we may not see this team eclipse 100 yards. I'd like to think that we would. Your best chance, run right behind 66 and 68. Run, get right behind Kinley and Hunt, and let those two use the same tone-setting approach that they used to running the football last week against San Francisco against better players 
and let those guys attack and run downhill. Run to the right, and you can let Eric Flowers pull. If you want to lead, if you want power, you want to get a guy who's coming up onto the second level for them to fall behind. And I'm using a lot of Miles Gaskin out of the gun. I'm in the shotgun with either pistol with him Gaskin aligned directly behind me, or he's offset to my left, and I'm running that little dart. And I'm trying to run right up behind Hunt steps down. They double up to the linebacker. Flowers kicks out the man on the line of scrimmage. Gaskin tucks right up into the hole. That's the concept I want to see a lot of. The Dolphins did that. It's against Seattle. Uh, it was the, the drive that they went down the field in the second half, the long possession that they ultimately kicked the field goal on to cut it to 17-15. to 15. Fitzpatrick scrambled on third and 10. And then the team went no huddle on back-to-back consecutive plays, and they went quick and they ran that little dart, and it worked well. That concept, I want to see it run against the Jets, and I want it run behind the Dolphins' most powerful two offensive linemen. That's how I would approach trying to get the ground game going, right? I said the Jets uh, have actually done quite well to create turnovers. Two against the Bills, two Josh Allen fumbles, one against San Francisco, none against the Colts, but then three against the Broncos, against Brett Rippon. They still managed to lose that game by nine points, which is incredible to me, considering they outgained the Broncos and forced three turnovers and had no turnovers on offense. And they got one against the Cardinals last week. Cardinals had almost 500 yards of offense. Feed your best weapons in the passing game. That's obvious. We're going to continue to say it. And that's kind of the Chan Gailey offensive approach. Right? The uh, the Dolphins have done a good job of consistently making sure that their best players are the ones that are getting the targets. Devontae Parker has 32 in four and a half games. Remember, he missed the first half against the or the second half against the Patriots. Mike Gusecki, second on the team with 28 targets. Isaiah Ford, tied with Gusecki with 28 targets. Against teams that run zone, he gets a lot of clean looks. Kind of wrapping around linebackers in the middle of the field. Had a really great catch. Uh, that, that catch against Seattle uh, showed some really good toughness. I think it was covered by Ugo Amadi on the play. This is that 17-yard catch. He ran the, the deep stick route and uh, turned around and, and had Amadi draped all over, but he still managed to catch the ball in third and ten. He's been an impressive player. I'm just worried about his long-term viability as a separator in an offense that needs more separation. Miles Gaskin, 25 targets. Preston Williams, 22. They're spreading the ball around well, but your two most productive players, Devontae Parker and Mike Isaki. Gusecki, by the way, averaging 15.6 yards per catch. Of course, that's been boosted by the 70-yard catch that he had. Uh, second longest tight end reception in NFL history. I said on Victory Monday, I got a little excited and said it was just the second longest reception in team history. Second longest reception by a tight end in team history. But he's at 281 yards. Uh, he's looking great. The Dolphins have three receivers, Parker, Gusecki, and Preston Williams that have two touchdowns apiece. 
Preston dropped another one, but that's neither here nor there. Against the Bills. They're spreading the love. Devontae's on pace for 1,000 yards this season. Gusecki's not too far off the pace. Get your best players the ball. Miami's best players are Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, and this year, right now, Miles Gaskin. I will be fascinated to see what the workload looks like for Matt Breida. Uh, he says 27 carries on the year for 100 yards. And he has six targets, five catches for 72 yards. And he has consistently made the most of his opportunities in the passing game. Uh, of Dolphins receivers with five or more targets, Matt Burita has the highest yards per target return on investment with 12. And all he's getting is throws underneath because he's making guys miss. So you get in third down. Breida's been, both of these backs have been admirable in pass protection. They're not studs, they're not thumpers, they're not big dudes, but they've been admirable. So you can make a strong case, in my opinion. You get into third downs, I would like to just kind of see Breida take the reps. I get Gaskin's appeal as he can do everything, but that threat underneath is real versus Gaskin. His yards per target is under six. It's a small sample size for Brita, but Brita on targets is averaging twice as many yards per target than what, than what Miles Gaskin is. I'm not calling for, for Gaskin to lose his job, but I'm saying if you're in third and eight, you're in third and ten, Brita's probably the guy I'd like to see on the field just because I know he's got a better chance of creating something after the catch with his explosive speed. Let's talk about the defense. The defense facing the New York Jets this week uh, with Joe Flacco at the helm. Uh, here's what you need to know about the Jets with Joe Flacco at the helm last week. Uh, the team had 21 first downs, 285 yards, 162 passing yards, uh, which, believe it or not, was not the lowest figure on the year, 123 rushing yards, and they scored 10 points. 10 points. There is no appeal to this team with Joe Flacco at the helm. At least Sam Darnold can kind of run around back there. Joe can't. Uh, Joe is obviously very long in the tooth. He's a veteran backup. Uh, the, the ceiling here is not very high. He was 18-38 to 38 for 195 yards and a touchdown and an 82.3 quarterback rating against the Cardinals, who if I'm not mistaken, we're missing their best defensive player in Chandler Jones uh, for the majority of this football game. So, Flacco sacked three times. The Dolphins are going to have a great opportunity to get after Joe Flacco, especially if Mekhi Becton doesn't play. And what I would do, because you look at the, the Jets receivers, the Jets' top pass catchers, Jamison Crowder and Jeff Smith got 21 targets combined between the two of them. Jeff Smith was targeted 11 times, caught three balls for 23 yards. I'm going to ask you this, and it's a dead serious question. Do you know who Jeff Smith is? Have you ever heard of Jeff Smith? Second-year receiver out of Boston College. 
So the Jets' top targets in the passing game. Jameson Crowder, 33 targets. He's on pace for a great year. He's played three games. He's averaging over 100 yards per game. Jamison Crowder. Okay. Chris Hogan, Chris Herndon, Jeff Smith, Braxton Berrios, Kalen Balazs, who's no longer on the team. These are the top targets. They, they may be getting Rashad Perryman back if that moves the needle for you at all. And that's kind of the point here, right, is, is the Dolphins just took on a really dynamic group of height, weight, speed, yak guys in San Francisco. Uh, the Dolphins have been tested with the Buffalo Bills, who have, in my opinion, the best one through four wide receiver group in the entire NFL. And now we're faced with defending Jamison Crowder, Chris Hogan, Brashad Perryman, and Chris Herndon and Jeff Smith. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm just saying the Dolphins should have very little issues matching up and going player for player with the Jets in the passing game, which means the formula defensively for beating the Jets becomes very simple. Load the box. This is why you have constructed a team and a roster that has a bunch of elite athletes in the secondary that are comfortable in man-to-man. Think about what the New England Patriots did to the Miami Dolphins in week one when the Dolphins had the football. And we ran a bunch of press one, or the, the Patriots ran a bunch of press one, and nobody could get open. There's zero reason why the Dolphins should not be able to adopt a similar approach in attacking the New York Jets. Their athletes and their players in the secondary from top to bottom, from Rowe to Howard to Jones to whoever's going to play the Nick, whether it's Needham, Presumably not Igbenogany. They seem content on letting him kind of develop as an outside guy for the time being after he was thrust into a lot of action early on. Versus Jamison Crowder, Chris Hogan. Yeah. Play in their face. Disrupt the timing. And give them fits. And then that way, you can load the box. You can get them into third and long situations by ensuring they're not going to have success running the football. Leading rusher this year. You got to guess? If you guessed Frank Gore, you were dead on. Frank Gore, 64 carries, 204 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. Le'Veon Bell out of the picture. The only other players with more than 10 carries for the season for the Jets LaMichael P. Ryan with 15, and Sam Darnold, who is confirmed out. Load the box. If the Jets, without Mekhi Becton, presumably without Mekhi Becton, want to try and run the football, more power to you. Even without Devon Gottschall, the Dolphins have the horses up front to control the line of scrimmage. I have promised I will begin prognosticating the game. And offering my prediction for the final outcome. I predict the Dolphins win. And I predict the Dolphins cover against the New York Jets. Um, last I saw, the spread was up to nine. 
depending on where you look, somewhere between eight, nine, nine and a half points. Dolphins should cover that. And because of the way the Dolphins have beaten the lesser teams on their schedule to this point in the season, Jacksonville and a banged-up San Francisco team, playing at home, I have no reason to doubt that Miami does not pick up their first win of the season at Hard Rock Stadium against the Jets. And based on the personnel that both teams are going to have available, based on the trends and trajectories of both teams, I bet some of these New York Jets players are probably pissed off about what happened with Le'Veon Bell because a lot of them probably agree with Le'Veon Bell in liking all these tweets on social media with the criticism of his usage and how he should be traded and how Gase doesn't know what he's doing. I saw it somewhere on the internet that somebody had likened. The Dolphins have been on the Adam Gase Titanic before. Yes, we have. Who remembers what those last three games were like after the Miami Miracle? When the Dolphins got absolutely shellacked in three consecutive games. Minnesota, they got thumped. We were a 75-yard touchdown run from Kalen Balazs, in which he was not touched at all, away from being completely boat-raced in that game. The demoralizing home loss to a bad Jacksonville Jaguars team. And then going up to Buffalo and having the Bills drop 40 on us. Gase had lost the locker room. The team quit. There's going to be no fight in a team that's had it up to their eyeballs in Adam Gase. So I think with the Le'Veon Bell stuff, making all of that raw and new again for the Jets and kind of their their sickness of being around this, and then you add on top of that just how poor of talent they have, how injured they are, the Dolphins coming off a win, playing well against lesser teams. I'm going to say 34-16 to 16, Miami Dolphins win against the Jets. Let's hope for a dub. Let's hope I didn't just jinx us. I'd like to think I didn't, but uh, we'll see. You know, I've been saying the last couple of weeks the Dolphins are going to have to earn the benefit of the doubt. The way they beat San Francisco, they've got a little bit of the benefit of the doubt against the, possibly the worst team in football in the New York Jets. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, signing off. Thanks as always for listening. Fins up, go Dolphins, keep it locked in right here. And I'll talk to you guys on Monday.